What if a black girl knew? You are listening to WIABGK, the What If a Black Girl New podcast. I am your host, Dilemma, and I have a very special guest for you today, Dr. Cece, a general practitioner for the NHS. Loads of people would want to know, and I want to know, um, you being a doctor, like, I want to go right in there, first of all. Okay. Can I go, can I jump right in? Yeah. What does it feel like to see a penis or a vagina in oh, your face? All the way there. Yeah, all the way. <laughs> what does it feel like to see it? When you see a penis, oh. yeah, phallic, yeah, or, <laughs> or a vagina, yeah, what do you think? What comes to your mind? Do you know what? Now I'm completely desensitized. Okay. Like, I don't think anything okay. when I see penis or vagina, unless it's grossly abnormal. Wow. So. Like, I've worked in um, OBS and Gynae, so, like, women's health. Mm-hmm. So you see vagina all day, all day. Mm-hmm. I've worked in, like, GP practices, and you see, like, elderly men that have got, you know, issues. The only time I'm, like, I think about, like, oh, shit, this is a penis, <laughs> yeah. is when there's something majorly wrong. Like, once when I was a medical student, mm-hmm. um, I was in a urology clinic. So mm-hmm. urology is, like, um, the study of the male, like, genitals. genitals. And then... The nurse was like bracing me. She was like, oh, just to let you know, behind the curtain, um, we've got a patient with his wife. Um, just stand in the corner quietly. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and I was like, why are you bracing me for? And then as I was walking in, I, could, I, I smelt before I saw. What? And then what I saw was... I asked Dr. Cece to tell me her experiences and she explains in such great detail. So much detail. <laughs> so... What is the first question, first of all? Uh, first of all, I just want to get right in there. Tell me what the hell you saw. I'm the, I'm, I'm how, the how do I describe it? It didn't look like a penis, first of all. Okay. It looked like... Um, where's my descriptive words? It looked like, um, looked like a mass of, um, of like, mu- like ulcer and mucus. And it was all the colours of the rainbow. <laughs> wow. No, it was basically... He had, um, he had, he had um, a malignant tumour of the penis itself. So the penis became ulcerated. So the whole penis was no longer a penis. It was just ulcers. And it was like... Well, like blisters and shit. It was, it was just a mass of ulcers and, and bumps and lumps. And it was, it was smelly because it was fungating as well. Wow. And I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm really looking at someone's, yeah. someone's thing. So I was like, yeah. But other than that, I mean, that was horrible. It smelled horrible and it looked like I, I don't even know. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really, I don't really think about it. I just, just do my job. So right now I'm working in a GP practice. Um, so like, let's say um, someone comes, like an old, older man comes in and he's mm-hmm. having issues with, um, I don't know. Actually, no, a younger man comes in. They say they've got pain in the, in the testicles, for example. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, already, he's already like nervous. He's already embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I can't now set like bring my own um yeah, prejudices yeah i just have to be like okay so we're gonna do an examination um do you want a chaperone blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and then i just have to keep it completely professional because i'm not i'm not attracted like i can't <laughs> i'm not thinking about i'm not thinking about sex i'm not thinking about oh i wonder what it looks like i'm just doing the job yeah, yeah. and moving on to the next one so do you think that you become like desensitized to things like that when I'm at work, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, how, so how, how does that work? Because what, do you just switch it off or, or because of the scenario? Yeah, I think it's like, I feel like I've got a work face okay. and end of the day face. Like, when I'm at work, it's, everything's professional. Like, okay. for me anyway. I know not everyone has that, but 
I don't, I don't, I try not to, because it can get really difficult to, especially in hospital, like some cases, like um, if you get too personal, then you start getting affected by it. So I try to just look at a case as like, this is the medical case. Um, these are the things I need to deal with. And I need to kind of detach myself a, a bit from it. So okay. that's why it's easy for me to like see penis and vagina okay. and not think anything. It's, just, it's, it's a patient. This is their concern and this is what I have to do. And then I have to move on to the next one. It makes me feel better that, you know, you said that you desensitised from it because I feel like everyone feels that in their head. Like when they're going to go and see a doctor, they're thinking, yeah. rah, like, is my doctor going to think about my, 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 my vagina oh, you know, this kind of true. way? Like, even, even with girls, I get surprised because, because I, because this is my job and I see so many, like I get even young girls and like normally they'll be more comfortable with a female doctor, but sometimes they don't even want to expose themselves because they're like, oh, I don't need to see me. And I'm thinking, I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Like, you've come in with the symptom, I have to have a look. Yeah. But because they care, because I, I realise that people care about these things, but yeah. I've seen so many now that I just don't care. And that's what I'm saying. That's what makes me feel good because it's like, if you're having any issues down there, you want to know that your doctor is as professional as possible. We're not judging possible. you. I mean, I'm not judging you. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so you, you see, you're saying you're speaking for yourself yeah. and you don't judge. Yeah. Okay, the so NHS is the National Health Service provider of healthcare in the UK. It provides both free healthcare and private healthcare. Becoming a doctor is not something that you just wake up and do. You have to kind of think about it for a while. And this is what Dr. Cece has done. I asked Dr. Cece what drove her to becoming a medical doctor. I don't know what it is, but I want to know why you chose medicine. Okay. Um, so I'm Nigerian as well. Okay. Um, but my parents had nothing to do with this. Okay. I mean, I'm sure they're happy. yeah but um for me it started off as a process like a process of elimination so i was like hmm i'm in school and like i thought about the subjects i liked and didn't like Mm -hmm. i was like i don't like i didn't like um i like i like maths a lot Mm -hmm. because i thought I like things that had like a right answer. This is this is the this is the method, and this is how you get to the right answer. Okay. So I always was towards like the maths and the sciences. Yeah, so I thought, yeah, I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, this makes sense. Like you do A and B, and then you get C. Like yeah. it was, it just it was very satisfying. Okay. From then I was like, okay, what can I do with like me liking these subjects instead of the other subjects? I thought I I just literally thought about different career options, and I guess at that time because I I wanted to be a doctor from like age fifteen. I didn't really know that much about different careers. So in my head, I only had like the convention, the traditional ones. So thinking like teacher, lawyer, doctor, accountant. And out of those traditional ones that I was aware of, I was like, that was crap. That was boring. Mm -hmm. That one's, you know, too whatever. Mm -hmm. And then when I looked at being a doctor, I was like, oh, that looks really interesting. (laughs) Like it was literally that. I was like, okay, I like these subjects. These careers don't interest me. And being a doctor feels like it will be very satisfying. Mm-hmm. I would enjoy my job. And like, obviously, from that's me at 15. And then I've done a lot of research um, from then up until, up until the point when I applied, like around 18. So I went on like um, courses to figure out how the actual job works. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> like, just, I don't know. For me, I like the fact that um, it's not a hard science. So... Yeah. Someone asked me the other day, like, so do you call yourself a scientist? And I was like, 
I mean, I guess doctors are scientists, but it's a softer science. So mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of patient communication. So it's like you need to know the science and the medicine, but you need to know how to talk to people as well. So I couldn't be stuck in a lab, um, but I couldn't just be talking to people without without a reason either. Oh. So I'm I'm doing both. That's how I see it. So your so your choice of medicine came from the fact that obviously you said state of elimination, yeah. <laughs> and then you chose the one that was you felt you liked the most, yeah. um, the direction you felt you liked the most. Yeah. And um, after practicing as a doctor now, yeah. is it everything that you expected it to be? Hmm, that one is interesting. Mm. So first two years out of uni are called F one and F two, mm-hmm. which is like um, I guess postgraduate years mm-hmm. so you're like a junior doctor you're like the let's say there's a hierarchy in the hospital you're right at the bottom okay. so that job is so draining like mentally and this is when you're an f1 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 is like the the most the lowest the lowest yeah. okay. straight out of uni so you even though you've got your degree you've yeah. got your medical degree and everything like you kind of feel like what like i don't know enough to like you're you're well supported but at the same time you're like kind of frazzled all the time that's how I felt and then F2 you you know a bit more but you're still like you're still in the hospital like thinking oh what am I doing Mm -hmm. so those two years were very testing like I remember coming out of F2 thinking do I still want to do this Um, because you see a lot in -hmm. hospital and I I think I was saying before like now I'm it's easier for me to like just be detached. detached Not not in a way that I don't connect with my patients, just in a way that I I don't come home feeling... Oh, you don't bring it home with yeah, you? Yeah, like, before I was bringing it home, okay. like, I remember even once, um, I'd done, like, a 12, 13-hour shift. Yeah. And then I was going... For some reason, I had my list still, and I was looking at the list thinking, oh, my gosh, like, the patient in bed too, I think I might have, um, you know, did, did I did I tell her mum the right thing? Or mm-hmm. So, like, I'm, I'm coming home from my 13-hour shift mm-hmm. in bed, should be getting ready for my next 13-hour shift, mm-hmm. but I'm calling the night doctor mm-hmm. to pass him a message to give to whoever because yeah. I'm because I've t- taken all all of it home and it's not even anything serious but it's like yeah you, the, I don't think they prepare you for like um the lack of an off button yeah I think if you don't have that already set for yourself then the job you're like all of this training all of this hard work and everything I'm doing it just feels like you you kind of have to sacrifice yourself mm. in it yeah but then I took a year away from it mm-hmm. Um, they call it an F3 year, some people. So it's like you can still work, you can do like locum work or agency work, but you can do what you want basically. So I, I went traveling, I, I, I saw friends, I was eating good, I was sleeping. And then it, then I realized I actually do enjoy the job, but I just need to find a way to have a better work life balance. And now I really enjoy it. A lot of people told me that I couldn't do medicine. And even though I still pursued it, and obviously I'm a doctor now. I had a lot of imposter syndrome um, going through the process. So what if a black girl knew, shut those people out, like you you, want to do this for a reason and you can do it, um, so keep going? Doctors are something that everybody needs everywhere and no one ever gets the chance to speak to a general practitioner or like their doctor in depth, like away from from being in the hospital. hospital. Yeah, like no one actually gets to like, I feel like, Unless you know a doctor personally, you don't get to know like, okay, what did the doctors actually think about? And for you to say that, you know, you go home, you used to go home yeah. with your work. It's like, we forget that. And what about your thoughts around death in your workplace? Because that's another thing that happens in yeah. hospital. Does it happen a lot? A little in, in hospital. So when I was in, in one of those years, F1 or F2, I worked in a, um, 
a ward specialising in um, elderly care medicine. Mm -hmm. So just because of that, Mm -hmm. we had a lot of patients that were passing away. The job of the juniors is to kind of, like if they died on the night shift, then you'd have to go to their bedside and um, certify the death. Um, Sometimes you'd have to um, go maybe the next day and you have to, basically it's... um, if they if they're going to be cremated, then you have to check them over, okay. um, so that they they can send the body to the cremation um, facilities, and it has to be signed off by a doctor that there's no like me- there's no um, nothing in the body that can make the machine blow up. So we have to do those checks. So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm I've been thrown into like rooms alone with dead people a lot, and I was like coming from med school to doing this on a night shift, like on a casual. <laughs> I remember the first time I had to like <laughs> first time I had to do it. I think it was like maybe two weeks into the job, and I was on a night shift, and then I got a bleep saying, "Oh, um, X, Y, and Z, we think they've died. Can you come and check and certify?" And I'm like, "What? Just me?" Wow. <laughs> so then this is like three a.m. I walk into the side room, and I close the door, and I realize this this place is extremely quiet. Wow. And obviously it's quiet because the woman's dead. <laughs> And I, and I just I just stood at the door for a minute like I have to go up to her now and check that she's there. Yeah, and like the process of doing it as well. I mean, I, I could, it's, I'm used to it now, but you like I remember thinking like I'm in a room with a dead person. I'm in a room with a dead person. Wow. I'm in a room with a dead person. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. What what stopped you from running the hell out? Like this is what I mean That's about what doctors, yeah. bruv. Like what do you mean? I'm in a room with a dead person. I, like I'm not in a I'm not finna be in a room with a dead person. So how do you, so like what do you tell yourself in that moment that lets you do your job? So the first time I kept thinking like no the first I remember the first time um it was a night shift um hospitals are social stuff so it'll be like one of me one of a middle grade someone's more senior and then maybe one other so I'm thinking I can't call the middle grade who's dealing with you know all this random stuff to just certify death which is a very in the grand scheme of things it's an easy task like the patient's dead like there's nothing more you could do like even the most junior doctor can do this so why are you calling me it's like like you have to take your emotion out of it yeah I was like okay well I can't call anyone (laughs) so yeah, I just had to like, had to just take the fact that I'm in a room with a dead person away mm-hmm. and just do the task of certifying and then get out. But now it's like, yeah, I think when you see something enough times, it, yeah. it just becomes like, yeah. Normal. Yep. Like we have another thing that we do as junior doctors. So the cremation thing. So, um, yeah, they'll call you. And then a lot of the time, because we've won the wards, like, for hours in the morning, then we have to go back on the walls in the afternoon. A lot of times you do the, the cremation thing, the cremation check it, during your lunch break. Okay. So people will be going to the canteen, you'll be like, yeah, I'm just going to do a quick cremation check. And you're going to, <laughs> you're going, going to go and check someone yeah. fully dead. Yeah. Mad, mad too. Yeah. So, and it'll just be like, a, it'll just be like, it'll be normal. Be like, okay, cool. We'll see, see you in 10. But you've yeah. just gone to go and um, examine a d- dead body. Yeah. And now you're going to go and eat lunch. So, so because we do it so much and we all do the same job. It's like, we can talk about it together and it makes it not normal, but it just makes it bearable. Finding out how to become a medical doctor could be quite difficult. For some of us, we have no clue where to start. 
I asked Dr. Cece about the steps I must take or people like me may take if we wanted to become a doctor. Let me know the steps you Listen take carefully. to become a practicing doctor. There's a lot of different routes in, but the main thing is you need to get a medical degree. So if you're a child in secondary school or in sixth form, um, what you, you would you you'd need specific A levels. So they normally look at things like biology, chemistry, mm-hmm. um, maths, and one other. Um, I think the main difference applying to medicine compared to other universe other courses is you need your personal statement has to go in a lot earlier. So um it's 15th of october just if you're listening and you want to apply it's always 15th of october is mm-hmm. the well maybe i should double check that but 15th of october you need to have your personal statement in which is like two three months earlier than everyone else okay. and then if you get if you get if you get called then you have to have an interview which is also different to other courses is that is that is, that, is this the interview for your university yeah okay so every medical student has to have an interview to get into medical school um and then from if you get an, if you get an offer then it's either five or six years on a course. Um, my course was five years. Um, some courses are six if you want to do an extra degree in the middle. It's called intercalation, so it means you end up with a medical degree and an extra um, BSc or masters. Okay. Um, so in university, you're yeah. you're looking to stay in uni for six years. So minimum five years. Minimum five years. Um, maximum. Eight. So, so if you if you've done a degree already, then you can go on to do a graduate entry course, and that's four years. Or you could do a medical degree after your three year degree in whatever else. Okay. So that's why it's normally like five to eight years for most people. And so when you come out of uni now, uh, after like maybe five years or eight years, yeah. then you go into the F one. Yeah. Said? So that that so then straight out of uni. Um, you go into F1 and F2. Okay. So that's like, it's um, postgraduate training to kind of get you, um, get you fully, fully um, licensed. So straight out of uni, you are a doctor, but you've got like a provisional license, similar to like having a provisional license driving. Yeah. So you need to do the F1 year to get fully licensed mm-hmm. and the F2 year, I think just because. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you need to do those two years to get fully licensed as a doctor in the, U- in the UK. Okay. Um, and then from there you you can do what you want really yeah so most people go into training more training so to specialize okay and especially when you're specializing is that when you go into becoming a surgeon and uh, sort of sorts or neurosurgeon or stuff like that or you decide to become a general practitioner so yeah there's different specialty routes so i'm doing general practice Mm -hmm. some people do hospital medicine and then that splits up into like heart medicine cardiology or respiratory or gastro and then you can do the surgical route as well and then you'd split up from there okay or you can neurosurgeon work and stuff yeah i mean there's a lot of different routes so there's um there's psychiatry as well um pediatrics uh anesthesia emergency medicine um so they have you have all these other routes after you've gone through those steps basically what if a black girl knew this organization called ACMM, um, it's called, it stands for African Caribbean Medical Mentors. And that's, um, so I've worked with them a little bit, like with the interview workshops. It's run by, I think, uh, two um, black medical students. And they're trying to get more um, black students into medicine by running workshops for them. 
This episode was sponsored by my one-woman show at the Battersea Arts Centre called Four Women, showing on the 21st, the 22nd and the 23rd of March 2019. Get your tickets now. Four Women, get your tickets now. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, what is your favourite thing about your job? Like, or the favourite things about your job? So recently, well, since I've started G- GP training... Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed, um, like, okay, so I work in um, East London, mm-hmm. and I used to work in the West Midlands, so Birmingham and all the surrounding towns, but now being back in East London, like, it's a very diverse community, okay. so I have, I have, like, white patients, I have um, Asian patients, and I have black patients, mm-hmm. and I love seeing, like, the face that the black patients make when they walk into the room. When they see you, yeah, it's almost like it's almost like <laughs> like some some of them physically like um like it's like a sigh of relief, <laughs> like and then they start talking like they wouldn't have spoken to another doctor like me. So some of them say, "Oh, it's so good to see a black doctor." I can finally say it. I want to say. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and oh, to, feels so good. it feels great because I'm thinking they must have been like they they must have been coming to the doctor with such tension. Yeah, and now seeing a familiar face or a relatable face they're like now I I feel like I'm going to be heard or I can just be real yeah and like yeah especially if they're like other girls Mm -hmm. and they just want to talk like I had one patient and she was like yeah so how can I help I'm feeling stressed at work you know what to be honest let me just be real like these white people don't like me (laughs) and it's stressing me out and I was like oh sorry about that (laughs) but I'm just happy that um I get black patients that just the fact that I'm a black face mm-hmm. h- helps them see representation even in and it's true I was gonna doctors. say like I, I didn't I never knew a black doctor growing up yes so and a lot of my patients are saying they've never seen black doctors and I'm thinking really and I'm but I, I get it like mm. there's not there is there are black doctors around but it's it's still like the minority, ma- minority. Yeah. so seeing more of that I even had another patient actually um a young girl well, twin girls, and the mom. The mom was like, "Oh, she's been saying she wants to be a doctor. Now she's finally seen a black doctor. Wow. So now, like, when she's saying, I could be like, yeah, you could be like Doctor Sixisi from wow. the practice. So like, that stuff like warms my heart. So okay. I like that stuff. Um, what what other what other plus bits? Like, is the paycheck nice? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a misconception that doctors get paid. Um, I think in other countries they get paid a lot more. Okay. It's not. It's it's a it's a comfortable paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I really wanted to like make money, I wouldn't have done medicine. It's it's way too much work and effort for the money. It is not saying it's bad money, but it's if I wanted to make more money, I would have gone into something completely different. So, but I mean, you, there's opportunities to make more money. Okay. Um, what are some of the ways that you could make more money so as a doctor? Locoming, so you can pick up extra shifts quite easily. So. Like for when I done when I took a year out, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really want to work, but I thought I need to eat in it. So okay. I picked up extra shifts yeah. um, because there's always like staff shortages, so they always need doctors. So it's easy to get locum shifts, and they they pay an escalated rate. So it's like an it's it's an opportunity opportunity to make money on the side doing the same job that you always do, but making more money from it. Oh, I see. So that's quite a good plus of the job, like having the opportunity to just make money whenever. 
Okay, I never thought about that because obviously, like hospitals always need doctors. Yeah. So you're always gonna be like needed. Is that what you call on call or something like that? Um, no, on call is um when when you're holding. So I guess the easiest way to describe it is when you're holding the emergency bleep for a service. Okay. So if you're on call for medicine, you're gonna hold the red bleep. So if there's any medical emergencies or cardiac arrest, then you're part of the team that needs to go and like. See to yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, and then um, okay, you talked about what's good about um being a medical doctor. Representation is one of them. Your paycheck is not that deep, but it's It's, it's, alright. And there's other ways to make money as well. Um, uh, are there any other things that you can think of that you're you're thinking that this is also a plus about my job? I get like a buzz from getting a diagnosis, right? Ooh, really? Yeah, (laughs) which is like it's a big part of the job. Mm -hmm. Um. But as a junior, um, so like when I was back in hospitals, mm-hmm. you're working as a team and the team is headed up by a consultant. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other doctors that are more senior than you so that it's almost like you never get a chance to make the diagnosis. Whereas in GP, um, it's just me and the it's just me and the patient. Sure. So I'm like, I'm not asking questions, the examination, and then it's up to me to kind of figure out what's going on. I see so if I if I if I get it spot on, I'm like yeah. <laughs> okay. So that that gives me a buzz. Do you know what? I never think about that because I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I feel like you know you say what's wrong here, yeah, and they've got this list on the on the on the laptop, or like they've just got this <laughs> thing, this sixth sense about what you've got. But like yeah. you saying it like that makes me realize you have to be a damn good doctor. Yeah, I mean sometimes things like sometimes you you don't have a clue. What's wrong? Like. And it's like, gosh, I don't know what's going on with you. Okay. I mean, there's ways to kind of get to an answer or get to a solution. But yeah, if you if you can figure out from what they're saying and what you've um, examined that, yeah, it's definitely this. And then you do a test to confirm it and it's definitely that. Then that's like a real high for me. Being a doctor in the yeah. UK has proven both enjoyable and quite tasking for Dr. Cece. She explains about how being the only black female doctor amongst her peers proved quite difficult. Like, do you always, do you have peers where you are or are you like mostly um, the only one amongst, um, you know, other ethnicities? Yeah, I would say when I was working in the West Midlands, I was usually the only black female doctor wherever I was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it and it was it was quite hard because even patients are not used to seeing someone like me, so they'd instantly think you're the nurse, or if I'm with another doctor, then I'm maybe assisting them. Mm-hmm. I even had a, a situation once when I was an F two and I had an F one, okay. um, so basically I'm more senior to them, so I'm trying to show them how to do whatever so we went to see a patient and I I had done the history I, I talked to the patient I examined I told them what's going to happen next and then they looked at this F1 who was a white guy and asked him to confirm if I if what I was saying was right wow. and I t- and <laughs> it was a bit like but I'm I've explained that I'm teaching him in this moment mm-hmm. and you're looking to him wow. to confirm if what I'm doing is right so it's like oh it must be because I'm black or female because that's the, that's, the, that's the thing that's making us different in this moment. Yeah. And yeah, it was kind of hard. I was like, oh, as hard as I'm working, no one's acknowledging that I'm doing my job right. Yeah. But then I kind of got over that and I was like, oh. like I had another patient. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So it was me, a, another black doctor, um, he was more senior, and then an Asian doctor. Mm. And we walked into a room and it was um, a patient who had, he was having a complication of his that diabetes. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as we walked in, mm -hmm. us three, you know, brown people, yeah. he's like, I don't want no ethnics in my room. I don't want no ethnics treating me. Wow. You better get out now. Wow. And I'm, I'm thinking, what? You're the one that needs our help. Like, how can you tell us to get out? And then the other black doctor, he's a, he's a lot older than me. He was like, oh, he doesn't want to help. He doesn't want to help. And I was like, okay, that's it then. Yeah. <laughs> we said to him, like, you can either take our help or you can sit here and you can deteriorate. But mm. we are the doctors, so choose choose wisely even. Mm. And I was like, yeah, it's... it's I, I, I feel like before I was thinking, oh, I need to prove myself. I need to, I need to tell people, yeah, I'm here. Like, but now I'm like, nah... I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability. And if you, if you want me, then you want me. If you don't, then you don't. I'm not going to, yeah. not going to be like bothered by it anymore. So mm. that, that aspect of the job was really hard to deal with. Um, just always being a minority in medical spaces and feeling a bit weirded, but weirded out by that. But um, I deal with that a lot better now. Yeah. You were there. Was there any solidarity amongst your peers? Like what I mean is like, you know, in the workspace, was there anybody feeling like, you know, we have this black woman amongst us? Like, how are you doing as a black woman here? Did, was there any, did you get any any sort of like, you know, peer companionship or like solidarity to be like, hey, are you doing okay? <laughs> like, did you get any of that? No. No. So how did you even, how, how were you able, and how long did you stay in this, in, in the West Midlands? Oh, I was there for, well, I went to uni there for five years, then, okay. I, then I worked there for two years, so okay. seven years in total. So seven years you were there and you did not, not once get a peer going, you know, that must have been really hard or... No. <laughs> so there you have it, ladies, so, and ladies and gentlemen, if you are working in the medical industry, just you, you is on your own. No, but then I think it's getting a lot better because mm. not where I work, because I work in a GP practice, but I'm seeing a lot more black doctors in different spaces. Okay. And they're trying to build communities. Okay. Um, so to, to, to have that exact thing you were saying, to have yeah. more of a peer support group. Yeah. Um, and I think that's maybe what was missing when I first got into medicine and when I started working, but I could see it coming up now. So, yeah, yeah I think I'm hopeful that, you know. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes I think when I see um, black people working in the service sector, yeah. I feel like sometimes they're harder on other black people. You know, like as I like, for example, if I see um, if I see a black police officer, or if I see a black medical doctor, or if I, sometimes initially what happens to me is that I'm a bit afraid that you know they're trying, they've been, they've got, they've had such a hard time in their workplace that they're gonna use me to prove a point. You know, um, oh, hard on you, hard on me as like a service as, user, exactly. Oh, um, um, so I always find that you know that's a worry I've had because. Sometimes I've seen in, in service sectors, you know, whether it's the restaurant or whatever, it seems like whenever there's a black person, sometimes, uh, or this has been in the past, I feel like we're becoming a bit more open to each other now. Mm -hmm. But in the past, I felt like in the service sector, loads of the black people are, seem to be harder on each other, mm -hmm. um, knowing that they've gone through, you know, 
stuff, you know, in their workplace. So, like, for you being a medical doctor, is that anything that you see yourself doing, like, or, you know, having gone through this experience of you being the only person in the room, like, if there was, like, someone that came under you that was black, would you be, like, work harder because I had to? Or would you... Because sometimes it's like I see what you mean, but no, like I'm, I'm like I'm part of um, this mentoring thing, so I've been matched to like um, aspiring medical students and um, people that want to do um, medicine or d- dentistry. I think you'd be great for that. I think you'd yeah, and I want to so do great. more of that, and I'm happy that this this organisation that I'm kind of trying to get involved with is doing that because I want to be like the big sister, like yeah, you could do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I didn't have that specifically, yes, and I think that made my experience quite hard yes so I don't think I'd be harder on them I'd I'd be more of like um just a support system to help them get through it because it's difficult Mm. the course itself is very difficult the job is extremely difficult yeah so I wouldn't want to make their lives any harder by being stern for no reason I just want to be able to support more people into this career yeah so that's the stance I would take and what do you feel about you know the pride of being a Nigerian (laughs) daughter that is a doctor <laughs> what do you think about that what do you think about that because people care more about that than i do i can imagine because oh. loads of people must hear ah dr cc and yeah. they must be like yeah that's my daughter that's my that's my cousin yeah. you know <laughs> they must be you must get that a lot i do and ugh, like, i don't care I you. even though it's a big part of my life mm. i don't want it to define me I and i feel like when you know aunties and uncles they're like, you know, giving you so much praise just because of you being a doctor. I said, so what if I was a teacher then? Or what what if I wanted to do arts and things? Would I not be as important or as special as I am? So it kind of annoys me because not everyone is going to be a doctor, lawyer, accountant. And just because I am doesn't make me any more special than the next person. So I think about that a lot. So like, obviously it's nice to get praise, but it it gets annoying because of that reason. And yeah, from being from Nigerian background as well, it's like such a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, a huge thing. Fam, the way they carry that thing, oh. yeah. I went to Nigeria last year <laughs> and like it's the first time I've been back since qualifying. Mm. And all of a sudden all my uncles were like wanting to talk to me about big, big stuff. And I'm thinking, you I said, let me just li- I'm here for holiday, like let me live. <laughs> He said, like, oh, well, you're the doctor of the family now. You're, you're, wow. you're really And I said, oh, Uncle, please, it's Christmas. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I, I don't really care about it. So how do you balance your life with your work and your personal? How do you get that balance or how do you help your mental? Mm. So that's one of the reasons why I've chosen um, to be a G- GP as opposed to a hospital doctor. Okay. Um, I mean, both jobs are difficult, mm-hmm. but it's easier to balance your life as a GP. Okay. So since doing this job... It's been easier just as a default. So I've got my evenings back. I've got my weekends back. I don't work nights. Um, but then even if I'm feeling stressed, like I don't, I don't bring work home anymore at all. Okay. Yeah. I don't think about it. <laughs> past, past yep. 6 p.m. I'm at home or yeah. I'm, I'm in a bar. It's, yeah. That's it <laughs> Okay. And then, um, and so, so, so you not bringing work home is one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what about therapy? What about things like that? Yeah, to be honest, I've actually started therapy as well. Um, and I, I think everyone should. Yeah. I mean, I've done it for like 
not just because of what I do as work, but just for me as a person, I felt like it's important to have that outlet, like a someone who, someone who's so far removed from you that you can say anything and you won't be thinking twice about what you're saying. Yes. So that's something that helps me to feel balanced as well, having a person to talk to. Mm. I don't work with her. She's not my friend. Mm-hmm. She's not my family. Mm-hmm. She's not patient. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so just having someone to kind of vent to and empty my thoughts makes me feel like yeah it just makes me feel better and more balanced so that's what I do as well um and if I was your patient right now right so if I I was I just want to know like the right things to do with regards to like uh having a better medical life for example like if I get like a cough or Mm -hmm. you know something I feel something coming up yeah (laughs) Do you think the best thing to do is to go and see my GP or to go into the A&E? Or what do you think? If, so, if I'm starting to feel a tickle, yeah, mm-hmm. in my chest or something, my neck, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm getting a bit sick or I've been coughing for two days or mm-hmm. what do you, what is your uh, medical opinion? D- do you think I should go straight to call so a doctor? So you're saying specifically for a tickle? Yeah, if I'm feeling like I'm going to be ill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, I mean, we all know our own, our own, you know, our own self, our own body. body yeah. So we know what a cold is like. Okay. We know when it's more than a cold. We know when this pain in, our, in, my, in my chest is, is a bit too much. Okay. I would say if you know it's just a cold coming on, yeah. then go, go and do the things that you would normally do. So it might be um, just paracetamol ibuprofen. It might be drinking lemon and honey tea. Yeah. It might be just resting. But then you know yourself. I, I think for most people, they know when something is 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 not right. Okay. I can't say, oh, if the if it's if it's if it's like tickling for too long, then come see me. I see. I see. I see. So okay. So what is your what is your worst patient? Like, what is the thing that you find really difficult when a patient comes in and you're like, okay, shoot me now. This is the patients that I don't want to see. Um, the patients that think they know more than me. I'm like, okay, well, let's swap seats then. Well, I don't say that, but <laughs> but that I'm thinking you've come to me for help yes. or advice. Yes. I'm telling you my advice and you're telling me, no, it's this way. Mm-hmm. I said, well, then, then why are you here then? I but see. that one irritates me because it's like, you've come here with an agenda, yeah. but you can't get your way just yeah. because you want it. Like you have to listen to, you, can, you, have to, you have to accept that this is my medical opinion and my yeah. advice. Yeah. So that, that can make me very, very um, irritated, <laughs> but then I just go through go through the motions and try, try to figure out what they what they want and how how we can come to like a shared decision, mm. as we call it in medicine. But do you know, because I think that medical doctors, you got to be really patient. You got to have loads of patience because yeah. I'm. I, I'm I'm just thinking, you know, like same with Uber drivers, same thing. Like you guys gotta be really patient yeah. because I'm people still, come that with their own, you know. And then it's almost like you have to still be professional. Yeah, which is like, that's why I said like medicine is more of a soft science in my eyes because if I'm in a lab, there's no need for patients. Whereas if I'm in front of a patient, I have to combine all the knowledge and the science and the medicine with the fact that I need to not let my frustration show if I'm frustrated. So there's a lot of communication skills. So... If I saw a black female doctor in um the, in the hospital when I went when I go and visit, I feel like it would 
put me at ease because I feel like, especially she's young as well, it will put me at ease. It will make me feel like, okay, cool. I can keep it real. I, mm. I can just give my thoughts. So thank you so much for all the information. What if a black girl knew? I would say the most recent book I've read, I think most people have heard about is Slaying Your Lane. So I've enjoyed that just for the tips it gives in the book for navigating life as a black female. So I think it'll be useful for younger girls to read. This episode was more than I could have ever asked for. I had some professional advice, some funny moments and some things I had no clue about medical sector. What if a black girl knew Dr. Cece? What if a black girl knew that she would be desired by others only if she desired herself? That beauty is not a shade but a mindset and the best indicator of it is self-confidence. As I talk some sense, insert here confidence.